Hey, how's it going everyone? Uh, we are just so excited that you have decided to join us um, for this uh, time of worship. Um, we just want you to feel uh, hopefully relaxed and welcomed um, from wherever you're watching. You know, it's exciting to know that there are hundreds of people that are um, just like you that are watching, sitting around um, in maybe their living room, uh, uh, coffee shop or somewhere just uh, engaging in worship today and we're excited that you're part of it. You know in the next few moments we're going to be able to uh, engage in the message that Pastor James has for us uh, but before that we'll, we're going to enter into a time of uh, just uh, of singing and praise and you know I just ask that we just just set aside all the distractions that we may have here that can get away from us um, when we're, uh, we're gathered in a, a place like this that we can just focus in on what it is that God has for us. You know I'm excited about what God has to do for as we continue our series of Sermon on the Mount. And, you know, we want to make sure that you're staying connected to us here at Salem Fields. So please take the time to fill out your connection card, going to salemfields.com contact. We would love to be able to hear from you and how we can best serve you as your pastors here on the staff. You know, another great way for you to stay connected is by being involved in a small group. If you're in the area, we'd love for you to be part of one of our many small groups to take place throughout the week. Or if you'd be interested in starting a digital small group with people that are watching from around the world, please uh, just email us at smallgroups at salemfields.com. You know, we're excited about all that's going on here. We're excited about the, the chances that God has for us uh, to engage in, um, in worship today. We just hope that you are experiencing that as well. So let's just, again, let's set aside, let's put out um, all the distractions and just focus in on worshiping God in these next moments. We're glad that you're with us. God bless. Hey, good morning, church. Good morning, everyone joining us online as well. Let's stand to our feet. Let's worship Jesus this morning.
Just one name over all Jesus reigns. I know, I know. Go. This nation's bound, mountain shake at the sound. Just one name over all Jesus reigns. I know. Oh, I know. everybody how are y'all doing today everybody good everybody's awake right well welcome to Salem Fields we are so glad that you're here especially on this this rainy day that we have today but we know that our God reigns and we hope that in this next hour or so that you'll put away those distractions maybe the things that you've been carrying with you the things that are on your mind even the thoughts of where to go to brunch after this and that you'll just be able to focus on God in this next time and the words that God has for you so so welcome and know that at Salem Fields we really believe in the power of community both internally and externally and we're serving in so many ways in our own community and around the world. And one of the ways that we support those ministries is through our tithes and offerings. And um, first of all, we want to thank everybody that has continued to give very generously throughout the pandemic. Um, it's through those tithes and offerings that we're able to do the ministry that God has called us to do right here at Salem Field. So there's a number of ways that you can participate in giving. We believe that's a spiritual practice. It's a way that we practice trusting in God and part of our discipleship. And you'll see on the screen, you can um, participate in a lot of ways very easily through electronic means, online. Also, in the kiosk, we have kiosks out in the lobby that you're able to join us in. And those of you that are worshiping online too, there's just a button at the top of your screen that you can click and you can join us there in our as we worship through our tithes and offerings. And, and also, if you haven't already, go ahead and check in on Facebook. Take out your mobile device. Check in on social media. Let your friends know that you're here with us worshiping or you're worshiping online. And there's this little function on Facebook called the Watch Party. Now, we're trying to get some folks involved doing that. And it's a way to basically let your friends know and that they can join us in watching live on Facebook. And you guys can do that too if you're here in person. You can just make sure that you put your settings on your phone on mute, not so you're here in the service like double. Um, but you can participate in that. And who knows who might be impacted, who, who might need to really hear the message 
that is on James' heart today and that he'll be sharing for us. So also just to remind you that uh, during the week we have a lot of things that are going on continually online. We do our deeper dive into the sermon where Pastor James goes a little bit deeper into the things that he brought up during the message. And we do that on Mondays and Wednesdays at 2 o'clock and it's a really great time to really talk a little bit more about the Sermon on the Mount and the things that that are really coming to heart and how they apply to our lives. And then also on Wednesdays, we have our Worship Wednesday. Who has been a part of Worship Wednesday or watched Worship Wednesday, 7 o'clock, Facebook Live? We, our awesome worship team has divvied that up. It's a great way to kind of recenter, recalibrate yourself during the week. So share that with friends. Continue to invite them to join us online as well as you guys that are, that are with us from your, from your homes and other places today. And just a couple of reminders, some things that are going on in the life of the church. Um, Because of the rain today, we've decided to postpone our twilight hike. Unfortunately, uh, probably not a good time to be out in the cold and wet. So we're hoping that next Sunday, next Sunday will be nice and clear and also will be the peak of the fall foliage season as well as pumpkin spice season. So um, so come and join us for that. It's going to be next Sunday, November 1st at 4 o'clock because that's also the time change on that Sunday. And also next Saturday is Halloween. Can you believe it? The end of October already. Well, we're having our double feature movie night. We want to in- tell you to invite your friends and neighbors to join us, especially people that might not be interested in church or go to church or even have a church home. This is a chance for us to serve our community. And you can just let them know that they can register at salemfields.com movies. We're going to have candy for the kids. They can stay for one or both movies. And we're showing the great pumpkin Charlie Brown and Ghostbusters. And just a note that we're doing the clean version of Ghostbusters. Enough said about that. So make sure that you invite your friends to join us for that. So we're so glad that you're here. Take a look and watch this. Hey, everybody. I'm Alan Payne and a member of our church board. October is a month that we've set aside to express our appreciation to our staff, both our pastoral staff and our lay staff. It's kind of like Valentine's Day or Mother's Day. It doesn't mean that that's the only time that we're appreciative, but it is a time to make sure that we say it. This year, we're especially grateful for our staff's leadership, their commitment, and their creativity. We've been announcing this month in our weekly e-news email and providing different ways and suggestions that you can participate in expressing your appreciation as well. On Tuesday, we're going to be providing lunch to the staff and a small token of appreciation. As God brings a staff member to your mind, or maybe he's doing so right now, I encourage you to take the time to send them a text or an email and let them know how much you appreciate them. Finally, if you don't get the e-news email, I encourage you to go out to the website and sign up. James, To you and to all our staff, thank you for all that you guys do to carry on the mission and the vision of Salem Fields. All right, let's stand and worship together. This is just a fun little song we'll teach you today.
God of creation, there at the start, before the beginning of time. With no point of reference, you spoke to the dark and fleshed out the wonder of light. As you speak, a hundred billion galaxies are born. In the vapor of your breath, the planets form. If the stars were made to worship, so alive. I can see the heart in everything you've made. Every burning star is signifier of grace. If creation sings your praises, so So 
You chased out my heart through all of my failure and pride. On a hill you created the light of the world, abandoned in darkness to die. And as you speak, a hundred million failures disappear Where you lost your life so I could find it here If you left the grave behind you so alive I can see
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. And Lord, for the opportunity to gather together as your people, the people you have called to be here today, to worship together, whether we're online or whether we're here physically in person, Lord. It's our prayer today that you would reach out to us, that you would touch us in a unique way, Lord, that we would hear from you through Pastor James and the word that has been upon his heart for this moment, God. You know all the burdens we carry, Lord. You know what's going through our hearts and our minds and and the stresses of the week and also the celebrations, Lord, that we all lay before you at your feet in this day, Lord. We give thanks and we seek for these moments to glorify you in every way. God, we're so happy that you're a part of our lives, Lord, that we can know you in a real way and have a relationship with you through your son, Jesus Christ. And it's in that we celebrate today and we look forward to what you'll have to say to us. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. rainy and cold days, we get a little quiet. So I'm going to need you to kind of speak up and let me know you're here. Uh, why don't you, on count of three, go, it's raining and cold. <laughs> the instructions, the instructions are so important. <laughs> and so those of you online watching, you can do the same thing at home and scare the neighbors. On the count of three, say it's raining and cold. One, two, three. And raining and cold. So today, we begin our wrap-up message of our 10-week series, Blueprints for a Belonging Community. And you may remember that Jesus comes on the scene, and this is his coming out message. This is his kind of inaugural message. And he comes out and he lays out the premises. He lays out the blueprints of the community. And he welcomes the left out, the looked over, the laughed out. That's, that's you and I. He welcomes us to receive his grace and thus be transformed from the inside out and be the people that he created us to be. I'm, I'm telling you this morning, I am so glad that Jesus came on the scene, that he showers me with grace, that he changed me from the inside out so that I could be the person he created me to be. Because I don't know about you, but I tried to be a whole bunch of people but they were not, they were not the people that, that God created me to be. I tried to wear a lot of masks, but they were not the real me. And so he comes on the scene and he, and he allows us and he, he makes sure by his grace and love that we can be the people we were meant to be. That means I don't have to put on a mask that means I don't have to fake it. That means I can simply be who I am with all of my hurts and habits and hang-ups, with all of my bad decisions, my good decisions. I can just simply come before him and experience his grace in such a way that it sets me 
free. And I don't know about you, but that is good news today. Because no matter what people say around you, no matter what kind of price tag they put on you, God thought you were important enough. God loved you enough that he sent his son to die for you. And that's good news. And that's just the introduction. Say amen, church. So Christ concludes this Blueprints for Belonging community by encouraging us, his followers, his belongers, to make good decisions, to make good decisions that lead us into a belonging kingdom lifestyle. So this text basically asks us three questions. Two of them we're going to deal with today, and the next one we're going to deal with next Sunday. Two, three questions that will help clue us in on our belonging status. How many people know that just because someone says they're a belonging belonger does not necessarily mean that they're a belonger? And so Jesus, as he wraps this message up, he begins to talk about what belonging kingdom lifestyle really is all about and what it means to be a belonger. Because there are some folks out there who have belonger on their name tag, but when you, when you begin to try to check out their life and, and check out their walk and the talk, sometimes they don't seem like the belongers that we know about or the belongers that the Bible talks about or the belongers that Jesus came to talk about on a sermon on the mountain. So he begins to lay out some foundational principles of what it means to walk in a belonger lifestyle. So he, he, he asks up a couple of questions, the questions that lead to decisions about life. And, and every day we make choices, you know, should I stay, should I go? Should I shoot or should I pass? Should, should I ignore, give or take uh, risk, you know, what should I do? Should I get immersed in something or should I just kind of stand back? Should I, should I quit my job or should I change my attitude, right? Should, should I give more or spend less? Should I, should I wear a hypocrite's mask or should I take it off and simply be myself? Should I vote or shouldn't I vote? And the answer to that is you should vote, all right? <laughs> should I get help or not? And the list goes on and on and on. Every day, you and I are faced with decisions. Sometimes we make good ones, and sometimes we make bad ones. And Jesus was saying in this wrap-up of this message that while his love and grace are huge and broad, at some point in the journey, we have to respond to that love and that same grace through relationship. And while it seems like that it would be easy it seems like that it would just make, make sense to respond to a God of love. Jesus says that not many people will respond. Why well, it seems like it's a no-brainer that, that everybody wants to serve a God of love, that everybody wants to connect with a God that loves them enough to die for them. Jesus says not everyone will respond because Jesus warns that, that most people will not take him up on this kingdom living. That most people will not become belongers. Despite a world that, that says all roads lead to heaven, Jesus is like that great Hertz commercial that says not exactly. So if you have your Bibles with you today, or you have a, your, your cell phone or whatever you have, your mobile phone or whatever you have, or it'll be on the screen, go to Matthew chapter 7, starting at verse 13. Matthew 7, 13. And there are three questions in this passage. 
to summarize Christ's words in this last section of the blueprints. But before we get there, let me give you a couple of definitions. You know, I like to make up some definitions and make up some words. And, and so I, I got some here today. Slacker. Slacker. Everybody say slackers. Slacker. A slacker is a person who avoids work or effort um, of a subculture characterized by apathy and aimlessness. Slacker. And the second word is scrutinizer. Say scrutinizer. Someone who inspects or examines something very careful. And so the first question that this passage begs is this. Which way are you going? That's the, that's, we, we hear that all the time. Where are you going? Where are you headed? What are your directions? What is your destination? Which way are you going? Matthew 7, 13 to 14 says this. Don't look for shortcuts to God. The market is flooded with surefire, easygoing formulas for successful life that you can practice in your spare time. Don't fall for that stuff. Even though crowds of people do, the way to life to God is vig vig vigorous or rigorous, you can say both words, and requires total attention. See, all you have to do is go to the self-help section of a library or, or a bookstore or go to Google and type in self-help and you will find a treasure trove, treasure trove of gurus or all kinds of information, all types of information and formulas for achieving successful life. Everything from weight loss, in my case, weight gain, to positive thinking, to memorization, to spiritual awakening and, and, and et cetera. It just kind of goes on and on. In fact, if you're desperate enough and you're willing to not drop enough coin, you can find just about any advice that, that can get you some help. It was the same ways in Jesus' day. There are all kinds of people who spent their time being gurus, all types of people who spent their time being experts trying to tell people how to live. There were teachers of the law. There were Pharisees. There were Sadducees. There were all kinds of people trying to help people. And Jesus said to his followers, to his belongers, don't fall for it. Examine life and living in light of the kingdom and the king. He was saying be wise in, in what you look to for advice. Be careful what roads you choose to go down because there are eternal implications he was the one that came on the thing and said, listen, the, the, the path to life is, is small and very few people find it, but the path to destruction is large and, and everybody's on it. So choose your road, choose your direction, choose your path carefully. So in this world, I talked about two type of peoples, slackers and scrutinizers. The group that you are a part of is extremely important because the slacker says this. The slacker lives what I call a spare time shortcut life. It's a no shoes, no shirt, no problem kind of life. That the slacker uses this, uh, this kind of life where the slacker is kind of taking it easy, not really examining things, not really spending a lot of time digging into things. Jesus talked about this kind of person in the parable of the rich fool. 
And he says, the farm of a certain rich man produced a terrific crop. I mean, this farm was brimming over, and he had all kinds of crops. And in fact, he had so many crops that he didn't have enough space to store all this stuff. He didn't have enough space. Maybe today we would say this, the person made a ton of money, and he had so much money that he didn't have enough instruments to invest it in. So this farmer builds bigger barns and larger barns so he can stack it all in. Today we might say this person came up with different instruments, different 401ks, different investment opportunities to put this money in. And Jesus says, the guy says to himself, man, you're pretty bright. You're pretty smart. You have it made. It's easy time. It's relaxation time. It's staycation, vacation time. And Jesus says, the man laid back and said, self you got it made. You are a self-made man. Eat, drink, and be merry. And he had laid up. He had his retirement plans and his early retirement. He had extra houses and different things like that. Take it easy and have the time of your life. Just then, God showed up and said, fool, fool, tonight you die. And your barn full of goods, who gets it? That's what happens when we fill our barns full of self and not of God. And so Jesus is saying, coming on the scene saying that the slacker lifestyle is not a kingdom, is not a kingdom belonging lifestyle. That there's no room. That slackers, as I entitled the message, need not apply. See, the slacker says, do what feels good. Find your own path. Get down on it. Don't be bound up with rules and regulations and all of that stuff. Just do what feels good. Be free. I can tell you I did that for a little while. And I can tell you that the lifestyle of a slacker ends you, uh, ends you more bound up than you were before you started that lifestyle. I can't tell you how many people have gone down the road of the slacker lifestyle and have been more bound up and more chained up at the end of that road than they were at the beginning. The world says, do the total freedom thing, but don't bite a lie. Even the world knows that fences, that boundaries, that laws are good for us inwardly and outwardly. Maybe you've heard the example of the experiment done with children and fences. Psychologists discovered an interesting truth several years ago. It was assumed that fences and on playgrounds kind of kept kids from being free and kept them from experiencing childhood and play and all of that kind of stuff. And so the experiment was done where they took a playground and they took the fence away from the playground. And, and, and instead of the kids being free and and, and kind of experiencing childhood and all the good stuff that goes along with it, they kind of huddled in the center, not knowing what their boundaries are, not knowing how far they could go, not knowing where they would go. And so the psychologists thought that they would give them more freedom, they would, they would be more expressive, they would be, have more fun. But what ended up happening was when they removed the boundaries, when they removed the fences, the children played less and they had less fun. And, and then when they put the fences back, the kids were able to, to play and to enjoy themselves again. 
The world says fences and boundaries and commandments and, and doing things God's way and following his, his laws and, and his statutes is a bad thing. But what we realize is it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. And I know the world says to us, do your own thing. Don't be bound up. Don't let people tell you what to do. You're free to be who you want to be. And Jesus comes on the scene so no, says, no, the way that you're going is important. It has eternal implications. Can you imagine if God hadn't given us a GPS? GPS, God positioning spirit. God positioning spirit. If God hadn't given us a GPS for direction for life, and if he hadn't given us a direction to follow, where would we go and how would we get there? So God created the world and everything it including you and me, and he has plans for our lives. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to help you and not to hurt you, not to harm you, plans to give you a future and a hope or a future you hope for, a plan that will lead for, to victory. And, and here's the deal. It's not a 100-yard dash plan. It's a marathon. How I would love for it to be a 100-yard dash plan because I'm good at about 100 yards. I'm good. I can run full out at about 100 yards, but you get me on that marathon thing and it ain't going to happen. It's not going to happen. I, I thought about maybe I should do a half marathon. Maybe I should do a whole marathon. Well, here's the problem with the marathon. You, you got to practice. You got to dig in. You can't be a slacker and do a marathon. You got to practice. You got to put something into it. Listen to how Paul describes the way to live the belonger kingdom life. You've all been to the stadium, and you've seen the athletes race. Everyone runs. One wins. Run to win. And you could just stop right there and preach right there. Run to win. All good athletes train hard. They do it for a gold medal that tarnishes and fades. You're after gold eternally, one that's gold eternally. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm, I'm running hard to the finish line. I'm giving it everything I've got. No sloppy living for me. I'm staying alert and in top condition. I'm not going to get caught napping, telling everyone else about it, and then missing out myself. And so Paul gives this metaphor of this journey that we're on, of this direction, this belonger kingdom life we're on. And, and he, he talks about it being this form of a, a marathon and, and all practicing and, and staying prayed up and having the, having the armor of God on and, and the things that we're instructed by God to participate in. So, so why the... So why the Slacker chooses a spare time, shortcut life. Uh, no shoes, no shirt, no problem life. The scrutinizer, on the other hand, chooses a vigorous, a vigorous or rigorous, well-examined life. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 describes like this. Trust in God from the bottom of your heart. And don't try to figure out everything on your own. Listen to God's voice. Listen to God's voice. Listen to God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. And he, he's the one who will keep you on track. If you want to know the direction, if you want to know where you need to go and what direction you need to go in, 
If you, know, if you want to know what direction leads to eternity, listen to God. And here's the, real, the reality. He is speaking. He is speaking. And sometimes we don't hear him because we're not listening. He's constantly speaking. The question is, are we listening? There's a reason Jesus says the way to life is vigorous. He knows that it's not easy to do. He knows that it's easy to do what everyone else is doing. It's easy to follow crowd. We call it a kind of a crowd mentality. And it, so it's easy to do that. It's easy to live this, this no shoes, no shirt, no problem lifestyle of a slacker. But we're called to scrutinize the way that we're traveling, the road that we're traveling on, to examine the path and, and to read the fine print, to listen to his voice, to study his word, to, to understand what he's saying. I hope that you have been digging into the Sermon on the Mount during these nine weeks. I hope you've been digging into it. I hope you're not just, you're not just satisfied to, to hear me speak about it or to speak on it. I'm hoping that you're reading it and God the Holy Spirit is speaking to you from his word. Because in it, Jesus sets up the blueprints for a belonging community. And if you want to know what it means to be a belonger, if you want to know what it means to belong, dive into Matthew 5, 6, and 7, because there he sets it up. And, and it wasn't set up for scholars. It was set up for this ragtag of bunch of people that he collected on the hill, people who thought they were not worth it, people who thought that they weren't learned and, and they didn't have a lot to offer. And he offers them grace and love and he sets up this This group of teachings that I've called blueprints. So we're called to scrutinize the way that we travel, to examine a path, to read the fine print, and ultimately to take the road less travel that leads to kingdom life. Jesus said it like this, I am the road, also the truth, also the life. No one gets to the Father apart from me. Ouch. How narrow-minded can you be, Hayward? Only one way? How can that be? That's too exclusive. It's too specific. It's too restricting. Not really. The God who created you in love, the God who created me in love, knows that most of the world calls freedom. He knows that what most of the world calls freedom is actually bondage. That doing it my way, I did it my way, I deserve a break today, I'm going to do whatever I want to do. What it ends up leading to is bondage. We've seen them. We've seen people who decide to just do it their way, that anything goes. That whatever they say matters, matters. Whatever they say is right, is right, and is wrong, is wrong. And, and we've seen them in bondage, whether it's to a bottle or to a uh, uh, um, relationship, or to money, or to fear because they have so much, they're so afraid that someone's going to take it from them. We've seen them, and Jesus knows. Jesus knows that what they call freedom is really bondage. He knows the path of least resistance. 
is the path of the slacker. So he says, examine life, plan your course, make the right choice, and don't listen to the self-help barons of Christianity who say that God wants you first and foremost to be healthy, wealthy, and wise. No, what God wants is for you and I, no matter whether we are healthy, wealthy, or wise, he wants us. He can take care of the healthy, wealthy, and wise I always say that when we talk about giving of something, no, give yourself and then God gets everything else. If I, if I step into God's metaphorical offering plate, then my wallet comes, my decisions come, my choices come, my attitude comes. Everything else comes when I step into God's offering plate. It's Romans 12, 1. Offer your lives as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable act of worship. You really want to worship? It's not just about coming here and raising your hand and singing and hearing a sermon. If you really want to worship, what worship really means is, God, I give you myself. I give you my life. I give you my money. I give you my house. I give you my choices. I give you my relationships. All that I am, I offer it to you as an act of worship. So Christ's reminder is to pursue a vigorous life of the kingdom. That, that, that we should be doing this on an ongoing basis. That there's no, it's not a one-time decision. That, that there's a moment in, in, in life when I, I have a, this crisis moment where I say, God, I know I'm messing up. I'm doing my own thing. Come into my life. Make your home, at, at, at heart, make your home in my heart. And maybe I have, a, I have a second crisis moment where I say, God, I surrender everything to you. But then that's saving grace and, and sanctifying grace. But then there's, there's this grace that keeps on going where God continues to intersect with our lives through his Holy Spirit. And we begin to grow up. And we begin to grow up, and we begin to grow up, and we can become more and more and more and more and more like Christ every day of our lives. If you're going through life and you're not becoming more and more and more like Christ, I would begin to ask the question, what, where are you going and on what path are you traveling because God's will for us in Christ Jesus is that we become more like his son so Jesus says in that crowd, if you're serious about following me, choose the narrow path. Choose to, choose to distangle yourself from the crowd and its tentacles that they place upon you. Pull yourself away from them and head on the path that leads to Christ and eternal life. So what way are you traveling? Are you a slacker or are you a scrutinizer? The second question, who are you listening to? Who are you listening to? Matthew 7, 15 to 20 says it this way. Be wary of false preachers who smile a lot, dripping with practice sincerity. Chances are they're out, out to rip you off some way or the other. Don't be impressed with charisma. Look for character. Remember, charisma is about the outside. Character is about the inside. Look at the inside, not at the outside. Who preachers are is the main thing, not what they say. A genuine leader will never exploit your emotions or your pocketbook. These disease trees with their bad operas are going to be cut down and burned. 
chopped down and burned. So Christ gives us a warning. False preachers can be dangerous and deceptive. And Paul says the same thing later in the New Testament. Preachers and teachers fall into the habit of saying things that will win them the praise of the crowd. What you know about Jesus is that he would say things. He would say things. And, and I think at first the crowd loved him because he was doing miracles and, and he was helping people. And he was feeding the hungry and healing the sick. But the more that they listened to him and the more that they really allowed what he was saying to get into them, the Bible says they started to fade away. They started to walk away when all the happy meals had been given out. When all the healings had been accomplished. And they really began to hear him say things like, if you want to come after me, you must deny yourself and take up your cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to gain this life will lose it, but whoever loses the life for me will gain it. When he began to say stuff like that, when he began to say, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me, people began to walk away. Jesus said, be careful what you hear. Don't just take everything that comes your way and assume, as the old-timers would say, that it's the gospel truth. Once again, there are two responses to the question, are you who are you listening to? The slacker says, it's all good. I'm going to find a kernel of truth in everything that's said. And so it's all good no matter what they say. It's all good. I can find a kernel of truth in every religion. I can find a kernel of truth in every spiritualistic idea. I can find a kernel of truth in everything. It's all good. The slacker takes things at face value. He or she says there's a little bit of truth in everything, so I'm going to find that truth, and I'll take it and mix it with this little bit of truth I found and this other little bit of truth I found, and I'll put it together, and I'll make my own truth. I'm a person that believes in absolute truth. I'm a person that believes that that truth is found on the cross and in the empty grave that Jesus rose from. I'm a person that believes that truth is found in his word. So I'm not going to just find the truth and take a little bit of this and a little bit of that. I'm going to go and follow on the real path and listen to the real leader. Paul encourages us to keep our eyes on Jesus, to keep hearing his voice. The Bible says this, sheep know him, they hear his voice, and they follow Maybe a question today would be, what keeps us from hearing God's voice? And it's just so that you don't think it's bad stuff, sometimes it's great stuff. We're doing good things. We're involved in good projects and, and good experiences. But anything that keeps us from hearing God's voice, God's positioning spirit, anything that keeps us from hearing that, we need to clear that out of our way so that we can hear the direction, and then follow. Jesus says, test what you hear. Don't take it at face value. Not everyone who says I'm a pastor or I'm a Christian leader is on the up and up. So test their actions. Look at their life. Examine their talk and their walk. Because those two things need to match. And whenever you see the talk not matching the walk, there's a problem. Whenever you see the walk not matching the talk, there's a problem. I grew up with a, a pastor and his wife, David and Reba Bowen. 
I was 12 years old. I uh, was with my parents, and uh, right up the road, 500 feet up the road was a church. And David and Reba Bowen were, um, they were um, these pastors. They, they were almost, um, they, they were conservative, and they were almost like um, Amish or Quaker-like. You know, uh, they dressed conservatively, and, and they, were cons- they didn't have a TV in their house. I mean, we was, let them use our TV to watch the Ten Commandments <laughs> that would come on at Easter time. And so they were conservative people. But, and and, and I, I fell in love with Dave and Reba Bowen. At some point in the journey, I'll have them here. And, and I fell in love with them. And, and we were part of a multicultural, multi-ethnic church. They were white. And most of their congregation was African-American or black. And, and we just fell in love with them. And, and my parents never really went to church. But, but on my dad's deathbed, as I was talking to him, he talked about the respect that he had for David and Reba Bowen because their, their walk matched their talk, that they were consistent in their, in their charisma and their character. And I so long, I so long to be consistent in my walk and my talk and my charisma and my character. And, and the will for us in Christ Jesus as belongers is that our walk will match our talk and our charisma will match our character. See, there's a world out there who's longing to see some consistent people. They've seen inconsistency. They've seen people who say one thing and do another thing. It's been so interesting, even in this coronavirus situation, to to watch politicians who say one thing and do something totally opposite. See, we've seen inconsistency. The world knows inconsistency. The world is looking for some consistent people. And here's, here's the interesting thing. They might not like God, and they might not like the commandments, and they might not like the narrowness of the road they were called to walk on, but they can at least respect this. They can at least respect a person that says, I'm walking on a road with their mouths. And then as they examine their lives, they're actually walking on the road with their feet. The world is looking for some consistency and it's all good mentality. This, this, this slacker mentality that says it's all good will lead us right off the cliff with the rest of the world and the crowd that's going off the cliff. Now back to the preacher thing. Back in Jesus' day, they called preachers prophets. Mark Malone, a Bible historian, reminds us that prophets were people who received a revelation from God and spoke it to people. Sometimes these revelations dealt with the future, sometimes they dealt with the present, and sometimes they dealt with the past. The definitive characteristic of a prophet isn't the time period to which the word refers, but the fact that they got their message from God. Moore says, thus a false prophet is one who claims God said to me when actually God did not. Be careful what you say that God said. Today, all of us Christians serve as Christ's ambassadors, his prophets. And as such, we need to be careful when we speak on behalf of God. We need to be careful what what we're teaching and preaching 
And we need to be careful not to share something that comes from us and say it's from God. Because falseness can rub off on others. And we become what we hear. So what are you listening to? Galatians says it like this. Maybe we need to become fruit inspectors. When I was growing up, people would talk about fruit inspectors. But what happens when you, we live God's way? He brings gifts into our lives, much the same way that fruit appears on the orchard. Things like affection for others, exuberance of life, sincerity, serenity, excuse me. We develop a willingness to stick with things, a sense of compassion in the heart, a conviction that basic holiness permeates things and people. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments not needing to force our way on others in life, able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. It's not just teachers and preachers that can be false prophets. A whole bunch of people can be false prophets, counselors, teachers, professors, musicians, advertising agencies, the media, Facebook, social media can be false prophets. They can send out false messages that distort the truth have you seen the ad, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas? <laughs> no, it doesn't. There are consequences to behavior. The choices that we make have a ripple effect, and they ripple into other people's lives, good and bad. First Thessalonians says this, on the other hand, don't be gullible. Check out everything and keep what's good. Throw away what's tainted and evil. So the slacker says it's all good, but the scrutinizer says, I'm checking it out. It might sound so simple, and, 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 and sometimes it is. The only logical conclusion a wise person can come up to, and yet it flies in the face of today's society. Society say you can be right with your own beliefs. You can be right if you don't believe at all. You can be right with your fill, you fill in the blank. But the Bible says, do you want to be counted wise? To build a reputation for wisdom, here's what you to do. Here's what you do. Live well, live wisely, live humbly. It's the way you live, not the way you talk that counts. Real wisdom, God's wisdom begins with a holy life and is characterized by getting along with others. It's a gentle and reasonable overflow with mercy and blessings, not hot in one day and cold the next or two-faced. You can develop a healthy, robust community that lives right with God and enjoys the result only if you do the hard work of getting along with each other and treating each other with dignity and honor. And so Jesus wraps up the message with this verse. Knowing the correct word is the, it's the scariest verse in the Bible. Listen to it. Knowing the correct password, saying master, master, for instance, isn't going to get you anywhere with me. What is required is a serious obedience, doing what my father wills. I can see it now at the final judgment, thousands strutting up to me and saying, master, we preached the message. We bashed the demons. Our God-sponsored projects had everyone talking. And do you know what I'm going to say? You missed the boat. All you did was use me to make yourself important. You don't impress me one bit. You are out of here. Man, when I read that voice, that verse, and I think of people who think, who walk into the final judgment thinking they 
have it, they've got it good with God, they're, they're all set. And to hear him say, I don't know you, the God who knows everybody, I don't know you. What he's saying is, I don't know you in relationship. And so the question is, are you a slacker or you're a scrutinizer? Which direction are you going and who are you listening to? Because the direction that you're going, and it should be a narrow direction, and the person you listen to should be a voice of one, that will determine whether or not you're a belonger in relationship or not. And the difference between a slacker and a scrutinizer is commitment. It takes real focus to hear and follow the right voices, the leaders, and advice. It takes real focus to examine and determine to go along if necessary, as the Course says. If no one follows, if no one comes with me, if no one goes with me, still I will follow. No turning back, no turning back. Next week, we're going to tackle the last question. What are you building on? Would you pray with me? Father God, we thank you so much that uh, you're the God who gives us direction, that you're the God who's speaking. And the question is, are we listening? And so, Father, would you help us to, to be tuned into your GPS, your God-positioning spirit, so that you might direct us. Help us to trust you with all of our hearts and to not lean into our own understanding so that you can direct our paths. Today, Father, your spirit is here whether people are listening online, live right now, or in this auditorium, your spirit is here, and you've, and you've already answered the question for us, whether we're a slacker or a scrutinizer. You've already answered the question, what path we're on and who we're listening to. And so, Father, help us to take that information and work that information into our lives, to build lives of consistent commitment that leads to life. And, Father, if we're on a road that leads to destruction, the road that a whole bunch of people are on today, Lord, would you help us? If you're finding yourself on that road today and you want to switch roads today, the good news is the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ is available to you to switch roads, to get off the path that leads to destruction and to get on the road that leads to life. And you can pray a prayer like this. God, I want to switch roads. I've listened to your, your GPS. I've heard you. And it's time for me to switch roads. And so, Father, would you, would you help me? Would you forgive my sin? Would your grace and love surround me in such a way? I confess that I've messed up. I've been on the wrong road. I'm ready to get on the right road. Come in. Forgive me. Come and make your home inside of me and transform me from the inside out. Maybe you're a Christian and you've been on this thing for a long time and you're realizing that it's inconsistent. You're a belonger and it's inconsistent. You're saying today, God, I want to have a consistent lifestyle. I want to have a consistent commitment to walking in the direction that you point out and listening to your word and your words. And you can pray a prayer like this. God, I'm praying for consistency of commitment today. And only you can do that. Only your spirit can do that in my life. So, Father, here I am. I open my life to you, and I, I, I confess, and, and, and basically, Lord, I surrender. I wave a white flag this morning, and I'm saying, God, make me consistent. Make my commitment consistent. Help me to hear your voice among all the voices that compete for my attention. Father, thank you that you're in the business 
You're in the business of grace before we know you, grace to get to know you, and grace to surrender ourselves, and grace to help us grow and become like Jesus. So help us as we do it. In your name I pray. Amen and amen. Slacker or scrutinizer? Where are you going? Who are you listening to? God bless you. Love you guys. Hey, we were hope that you uh, really got something great out of the message today and that, um, you know, uh, that you'll be able to take it away and, and find this to, a way to use it throughout your week um, as you carry on through uh, until next weekend. You know, be sure to tell a friend of, about what's going on here at Salem Fields and how they can be involved. And, um, and you know, you can be uh, engaged through our deeper dive and different things that are going on um, here at Salem Fields. Uh, we want to make sure that you remember that, um, again, we are just excited that you're here with us and we pray that you would just uh, continue to uh, join us each and every week for worship and that God, we uh, want him to bless you this week. So thanks again for joining us and God bless. Have a great week.